to the scripture reading this morning. Uh, comes from John chapter 1. And it says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. <clears throat> Those are my sermon notes. I kind of need those still. Uh, <coughs> so, we are talking discipleship. Uh, because in the Gospels, there is one inescapable thing that Jesus seems to focus on over and over and over again. And it's discipleship. Uh, it's in Matthew 28, when Jesus, his like, last words in the book of Matthew, are to go and make disciples of all nations. Right? He tells his disciples over and over again. In fact, at some point, he sends them out. He sends them out in pairs to go out and make disciples. And so the, the Gospels focus heavily on making disciples. In fact, the book of Acts, you see a bunch of disciple-making in, in the letters of Paul. It's about making disciples. How do, we, how do we replicate Jesus, essentially? right? Because being a disciple is being somebody who looks and acts and, and lives and speaks like Jesus. And it's the whole point. It's, it's a multiplying, replicating process. So how do we make disciples? And you guys know that one of, the, uh, one of the core things in the United Methodist Church that we're a part of, right, as much as we have got our problems, one of the things we've got right is our mission statement is to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. I can't think of a higher calling for the church than to make disciples who transform the world, right? Now, that puts a little bit of pressure on your shoulders, right? Because if the church's job is to make disciples who transform the world and you're the disciples, guess what you have to do? Transform the world. But I think you'll find today that in disciple-making, all of the responsibility comes off of your shoulders and on to the shoulders of Jesus. There's responsibility that we have, but Jesus is, is working the entire route along the way. 
And so the problem we have in most places is that we have no idea how to make a disciple, right? We're really good, and for a long time, our focus has been, we're really good at getting people in pews, in chairs on Sunday mornings at a certain time. But just like, just like you standing in a garage does not make you a car, you sitting in a pew on Sunday morning does not make you a disciple. We've been very good at making attenders. We have not been very good at making disciples. People who don't just love Jesus, but obey him because of their love for him. People who live and act and talk like Jesus. That's our whole goal. And yet, for too long, our goal has been, how do we get people to come to church on Sunday? Instead of, how do we make disciples? And so along these next six weeks, we are going to be talking about how disciples are made. What steps do people take when they're going to Jesus? And so this morning, we start our swim lessons. Because when we talk about discipleship, really what we're talking about is going deeper and deeper and deeper with Jesus. So how do we go from life on the beach, which is what we're going to talk about today, to life in the deep? How do we get there? And so this morning we start with step number one, right? Because every journey has to start somewhere. And so we start with step number one. And so what we have to look at is how did the disciples start their journey with Jesus? Where did they start? Right? And they started in the same place that most of us started. Somebody invited them. Now for many of you, the person who invited you was mom or dad or grandma or grandpa. It was somebody in your life, for many people, it was somebody in their family who made them go to church. <laughs> right? Even on Sunday mornings when they're going, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, you had to go anyway. <laughs> you spent your whole life in church. Right? For others, it's a friend who said, hey man, my church is really awesome. You got to come check it out sometime. Right? But all of us have this point where somebody... Somebody invited us to church. In fact, uh, I read a statistic recently. They did, they did a study, and they asked people, uh, how did you start going to church? And 86% of people who answered this study said they started going because somebody they knew well invited them to church. 86%, right? It wasn't because of the church's programming. It wasn't because of uh, we have this awesome, cool, evangelistic thing we do every year, right? It was because somebody they knew said, hey, you ought to come meet Jesus. <laughs> and in today's story, that is exactly what happens, right? You start with John, okay? You have, you have John the Baptist. He knows Jesus. They're cousins, right? And not only that, John knows because God has been feeding him wisdom. God knows, John knows exactly who Jesus is. And so it says that John was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus, he said, look, the Lamb of God. And so his disciples, because they trusted John, his disciples decided, well, we're going to follow Jesus now. Because John told us he's the better one to follow. And so they start to follow Jesus. And Jesus asks them, what do you want? Such a simple question, right? And there's so much packed in that. What do you want? And it's really the question that, that we're all asking this morning, right? Internally, there is something that we want. 
right? There is some need within us that has been unmet. Because if, if I was perfectly content with my life, if I had no needs, if I had, had everything going for me, this would be the last place I found myself on a Sunday morning. Because if I had everything I ever needed, why would I need to be here? Right? And so Jesus asked them, what do you want? What do you want? And so their question is, Rabbi, where are you staying? Right? In other words, what we want is to be with you. John told us that you are awesome and we just want to be with you. And so Jesus says, come and you will see. And so they went where Jesus was staying and it says they spent the whole day with him. Now, I don't know about you. I don't think Jesus was a time waster, right? So I don't think they went back to such and such as house, flipped the TV on, went to bed, called it a day. I think they're following Jesus, right? Jesus is doing stuff, right? He's, he's talking. He's sharing his heart. He's, he's, he's doing miracles. He's doing all this stuff. And, and with one day, one day that they spend with him, it says that Andrew, who was one of the two, not this Andrew, but similar, right? Andrew, who is one of the two, he says he goes and he immediately says the first thing he did, the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and to tell him, we have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. First thing he did. There was, there was this moment where he said, somebody else has got to know about this. Simon's got to know about it. So what is it? What is it that started, what is it that started their journey? What is it that started Simon's journey? Right? Why, what happened to Andrew that suddenly he just couldn't help but tell somebody, you got to meet Jesus. I believe that what happens over and over in this story is that people have a legitimate encounter with Jesus, right? It's, it's not that they're placing their faith in some hope that Jesus is going to be it, right? Their faith is not based on a whim. Their faith in Jesus is based on the fact that they could see Jesus at work. Like they had a literal in their life encounter with Jesus, Now, I would venture a guess that most of you here this morning have had an encounter with Jesus somewhere, right? Especially those of you who, who are, are regular church attenders, you know, you're, if the doors are unlocked, you're there, you know. The reason that many of us become those people is because we have an encounter with Jesus. And when you encounter Jesus, there is no going back after that, <laughs> Right? Because, it, because he's so good. He is so powerful. We see things we can't explain in any other way. And there is no going back. We've had an encounter with Jesus. And I think this is the exact same thing that happens to Andrew. It's why the first thing he does is go and tell his brother, you have got to meet Jesus. See, the first step, <coughs> the first step in discipleship, first thing that gets us started on this journey is, a, is an encounter with Jesus. We have a moment where we meet Jesus and nothing is the same. And it happens again right after this, right? So, so that's day one. 
And it says the next day, right? So day one, he's got three followers already, right? He's got Andrew, the other person who's not really named here, and Simon. And then on the second day, it says Jesus decides to leave for Galilee. And so he finds Philip and says to him, follow me. And it says that Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. So Philip probably already knew this stuff that was going on. He knew what Jesus was up to. He probably heard from Andrew. <laughs> Maybe Andrew's the catalyst here. He probably heard from Andrew or Peter, right? So when Jesus comes along the next day and says, come follow me, it's no questions asked. He just gets up and follows him. Why? Because there are these encounter moments with Jesus that led people to want to follow him. And so Philip, when he encounters Jesus, guess what he does? Same thing Andrew did. He gets up and it says he goes and he finds Nathanael. And he says, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. Jesus of Nazareth. Right? He had this encounter with Jesus. And so Nazareth, not a real huge place. Right? So naturally, Nathanael is like most of us. Nathanael says, Nazareth. Yeah, right. Why would God bring someone from Nazareth? Right? It's kind of like the feeling I had when I was a kid growing up in my small hometown. Right? I was like, yeah, like somebody's going to come from there. Right? And in fact, we probably have those same thoughts about people in our lives who go on to do things that we never expected. And we're like, no, that can't be right. Right? I, I think people still say that about me. Like, Chad's a pastor? What? How did that happen? <laughs> I wonder that. I, that's me. I'm that person, right? But, but we have these moments, right? We have these moments where we encounter Jesus and everything shifts. And so Nathaniel, his response naturally, Nazareth, what good can come from Nazareth? And Philip says the greatest three words, come and see, right? Philip doesn't preach at him. He doesn't shoot him some scripture. He doesn't tell him you got to believe X, Y, Z. He just says, come and see, come and see. And so he does. Nathaniel does. He says, when Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And of course, Nathaniel's going, well, how do you know me? And Jesus says, well, I saw you way before you even knew. <laughs> and when Jesus says that, Nathaniel immediately believes, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You're the son of God. You're the king of Israel, right? And so he has an encounter with Jesus, right? Jesus tells him something that he shouldn't have been able to know. And it changes Nathaniel's whole perspective. He had an encounter with Jesus. So in the church, we have to ask ourselves, when we, when we, are, when we are attempting to share Jesus, are we, are we just inviting people to do the things that we do, right? Because a lot of times that's our approach, right? Our approach to sharing Jesus is just come see my church, right? Come and see my church. Or, or sometimes it's, uh, you know, come and see this free food that we're giving away today, right? There's, there's a million other things that we do. In fact, we fill up our church calendars with things that are good, right? Things that we enjoy doing. We fill up the whole calendar and we think that as long as the calendar is full, as long as there's somebody in the office all the time, we must be doing good ministry. The disciples didn't have any of that. 
What they had was better than all of that. What they had was a Jesus who was powerful and active and working in people's lives. A Jesus who wanted to encounter people where they were. Right? He didn't, he didn't just come in and say, you've got to follow these 45 rules and then you can follow me. Right? He, came in, he came in and said, oh, you're sick. Let me heal you. You're grieving. Let me comfort you. You're in need. Let me provide for you. And people had an encounter with Jesus. See, we, we focus on so much other stuff to try to reach people. When really all we got to do, come and see. <laughs> right? Come and see. Come and see that God is good. Come and see that Jesus can provide for you. Come and see that, that healing can be had. Come and see. That doesn't rely on us at all. <laughs> all it means is that we have to take our encounter with Jesus and be willing to say, look, I can't explain it. I can't tell you why the things that have happened have happened the way they have in my life. You just got to come and see. Not come and see our, our awesome music group. It's not come and see our, our, our pastor, right? It's come and meet Jesus. When we come to this place, when we, when, we, when we come to God in earnest, we're not coming because we need a person. We're coming because we need Jesus. And maybe this is the reason why the, why the church has struggled for, for so long. is because we've forgotten that the very core of why we exist is to simply introduce people to Jesus. Because I cannot change your life. There's not a person in this room who can change your life outside of Jesus. There is nothing I can do. There is nothing I can preach. There is nothing I can pray for you that will change your life if it isn't Jesus. And so we come this morning because of Jesus. Our discipleship starts with an encounter with Jesus. I want you to think back. I want you to think back to the very, very first encounter with Jesus you had. The very first one. The first moment in your life that you can, that you can point to and say, I know that Jesus was there. For some of you, that's been a couple of years. For some of you, it was recently. There was a moment where you're like, it's undeniable that God is at work here. But I want you to think about that moment where you encountered Jesus. Remember what that felt like, right? It's energizing. <laughs> it's exciting, like Sarah talked about earlier. It's exciting to encounter Jesus. Why? Because Jesus speaks straight into the stuff we're dealing with, straight into the junk and the muck and the mire. He just jumps right in there. And sometimes it's a little difficult because we're like, I didn't want Jesus to go there. But when he does and the, and the healing comes and that need is met, it's life transforming. See, I, I, I'm a firm believer that what we need, all we need in the church to make a difference in the world, to, to make a difference in our lives, to make a difference in our community, all we need is a fresh encounter with Jesus. 
We need, the church needs to be reminded what it's like to meet Jesus. What it's like to have a moment where the first thing you want to do is say, come and see. Come and see. Come and meet Jesus. And so this morning, I don't know where you're at in your discipleship journey. And I'm sure that along the next six weeks, you're going to find a week where you're like, yep, that's where I'm at. But if this morning you're feeling a little bit empty, you're feeling like, I can't even think of the last time that I could point to and say, I encountered Jesus. Right? Or maybe you're sitting here this morning and you've never had an encounter with Jesus. You've never had a moment that you could point to and be like, I felt God then. Whether it's, whether it's never happened to you or it's been a long time, I'm a firm believer that that ought to change. I'm a firm believer that when you come here on Sunday mornings, when you, when you stop by the office during the week, wherever it is that you're meeting a Christian person, you ought to be encountering Jesus. You ought to have a moment that you can point to and say, wow, God, wow. And so, so it's that. It's that that I want to offer you this morning. Because I believe that Jesus is at work in this place. And I believe he wants to be at work in your life. I believe that he wants to encounter you this morning. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And then I'm going to go throw my mask back on. And I want to pray for you. All right? If, if you need a fresh encounter with Jesus this morning, whether it's, whether it's, it's a healing that you need or it's, a, it's an emotional need, there's a hurt, or, or maybe it's just that you're feeling empty today. Whatever it is, I do not want you to leave this place without knowing that you know, that you know, that you know, that you have encountered Jesus here. I want you to walk into work tomorrow being, come and see. Come and see. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to mask up. We're going to sing. And if, and if you could, if you have something this morning, you need an encounter with Jesus, don't stay seated. I will, I will stand right up here. And, I, and I, will, I will stay here as long as it takes to pray for every single person who needs to encounter Jesus this morning. Because discipleship starts with an encounter with Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, we are so grateful that you want to encounter us. Because sometimes we look at our lives and it makes no sense, God. Because we, we run from you. We run as far as we can and as fast as we can in the opposite direction. We don't want to do the things you want us to do. We don't want you to guide us. We want to be our own person. And, and yet, God, you continue to desire an encounter with us. So, God, help us this morning to overcome our pride, to overcome our desire for control. God, help us to overcome ourselves this morning, to come running to you. And God, we pray that when we do, that you would encounter us in this place. Don't let us leave this space without knowing that we know that we know that we have encountered you. So pour out your spirit during this time, God.
Speak to us. Work in us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.